Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Bear Market and today we'll be talking about the first week of free agency just wrapped up. I know there's been a lot of chatter about what the bears have been doing, what the bears mostly haven't been doing, and we're going to dive into that today. So before we go into too many specifics, I just wanted to quickly address uh, some just general thoughts and feelings around this free agency. So to start off, let's let's talk about you know, just kind of the, the general public response to the moves that Ryan Poles is making and more specifically the moves that Ryan Poles has been making. Honestly, as a, a fan, as a an avid um, fan of the Chicago Bears, it's, it's very frustrating to see this impatience and kind of just unwarranted anger from fans. This regime is barely a few months old. We don't know what the product on the field is going to be yet. I mean, a few signings have happened but Ryan Poles has been clear with this philosophy and up till now it seems like he's been following through and when this GM is following through with this philosophy that he himself described very clearly and fans are frustrated and angry about it that makes absolutely no sense to me and obviously I'm going to try to steer away from describing and talking and addressing uh, social media takes as little as possible because I know that 95% of those takes are pretty irrational and pretty dumb to be frank, but I just wanted to put that out there because I feel like even um, reputable um, Chicago journalists and a lot of good good, um, good sources around the team have been expressing frustration, have been expressing, oh, like we have to get player X for Justin Fields or we have to get player Y for, for the Bears to be successful. And then, of course, uh, these players don't end up coming to Chicago and there's this frustration. And I certainly understand, like, it's nice, it's fun, it's it's a it's a good time to have the big shot free agent come to your team. It's a great experience, but we have to be realistic here. Ryan Poles said himself that he's not looking for any big ticket free agents. He's not looking for uh, big trades because he very clearly mentioned that he values his draft picks. And uh, I mean, for example, we talk about Robert Woods. Uh, yesterday, he got traded to the Tennessee Titans for a sixth round pick, I believe. And Bears fans were up in arms, like, "Why are we not trading for Robert Woods?" Well, Ryan Poles values his draft picks. Even if it's a six-round pick next year, he clearly stated that. And also, Robert Woods is 30 years old coming off an ACL tear. That's not a guaranteed product here that you're giving up resources for. So I just wanted to address that really quick. Um, It's very frustrating to see on my end. Another thing I wanted to clear up was just the definition of a second and third wave free agent, right? So Ryan Poles mentioned in, uh, I believe, his free agency preview or like his off-season preview press conference that this is where he's gonna do most of his work you know second and third wave of free agency and there's a phrase that he mentioned he's gonna put valuation and evaluation together right so let's just break down that statement a little bit so not only is Paul's gonna make sure that the player is a good player right he's gonna make sure that he's not overpaying for this player and that's where this whole second and third wave concept comes in and then and I feel like fans have been getting this second and third wave concept confused with with the concept of a second and third like an etc tier player you know they're like oh my god like this guy was signing for so cheap like why did the bears not not get him? and the reason why is because the organization likely came together and put a valuation on this player and even if the number does seem cheap to the fans it probably exceeded the valuation that the bears put on him and a broader point is that 
the the waves the one the first second and third waves is not a reflection of a player's talent like most cases it is but it's a reflection of the market and how when you wait on a player um to sign then the the, the money that he's willing to take will go down as time goes on for obvious reasons right so the player will have a price at the beginning of free agency and if teams are not able to meet that price then the price of the player will be willing to take will go down right because he wants to sign with the team obviously so the second and third wave concept is more of a like distinguishment on how polls is waiting for players price to come down to a level where he's comfortable at where he believes that the player will be a better value so yeah even if a player signs on day one for a two-year eight million dollar contract maybe polls had a three million dollar price tag on it and if the player was um you know on the free market for uh, another few days then maybe he would have came down to that price but he signed on day one for that price you know polls doesn't want to go for that you know so that's that's i think i kind of the message i kind of wanted to get out to bears fans like it's not about the tier of player it's it's about the you know the market and waiting for the price to come down and patience the previous regime had this thing ryan pace's regime where he was like this is my guy this is the player that this organization needs right now and i will do anything in my power to get this player you know and this decisiveness is good for certain scenarios and i'm sure polls will employ this guy kind of decisiveness as well if, if there's one hole in a team that needs to be filled to boost the bears up to being a super bowl contender but the fact of the matter is is that the bears are not there right now the bears have a lot of holes to fill with not a lot of resources available to them to fill fill these holes so they very reasonably are being smart with their resources and saying if this exceeds our valuation of this player then we're not going to get him and that sucks for for the headlines you know we're not making any flash signings i know we temporarily signed the big ticket um d tackle larry ogunjobi but i mean obviously that didn't work out and you know it, it it's clear that Eberflus probably told Bulls like yeah we need a three tech in this defense we need a good three technique um defensive tackle and and poles went and got him you know but these rest of the holes you know the bears stayed patient they waited for these free agents to come down to their price or you know they let them go and i know i heard, I heard rumors that the bears were on um dj chark were on christian kirk right but their prices were obviously probably too high for poles i mean christian kirk for sure because jacksonville just blew up the wide receiver market altogether but the point is is that yes they did their due diligence on these players but their valuation was not as high as um the the value they got on the free agency market and to show that kind of restraint is something i like from this um, regime i want them to keep doing it and bears fans are frankly are being stupid for being frustrated over that because this is exactly why we're in the mess that we're in this off season with all this dead cap it's because ryan pace had no idea how to manage his salary cap properly no idea how to not over overpay for players like just think about how pace paid 16 million dollars for jimmy graham when he's like the second year of that contract he was basically retired like you know all right so now i have that whole spiel out of the way so let's uh, move on to some uh um, discussion about the free agency signings that the bears did make so first of all uh, i want to talk about um justin jones um signed for two years 16 million dollars from the san diego 
sorry, LA Chargers, um, D tackle. Um, the news of his signing came almost immediately after the news that Ogunjobi failed his uh, physical. So clearly the the kind of rumblings that Ogunjobi might not make it to the Bears were um, were brewing uh, within the organization for uh, at least a day or so, and the, the Bears reached out to, to Jones um, right before he was signing with the Colts and uh, asked him to come on to the team. And I guess uh, he beat um, on Poles B whatever price that the Colts were paying, and Jones is now on our team, so... Yeah, I think the reviews on Jones have been mostly positive. Uh, it seems like uh, Jones is a good run defender. So, you know, a little different style player than Ogunjobi, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. Money freed up from the Ogunjobi uh, failed deal makes me wonder if kind of the Bears will allocate uh, a little more resources towards offense and free agency than they expected. And we'll have to go find another D-tackle in the draft, you know. So I know Toronto Armstrong is still out there. Bears fans are really excited uh, if he would come on but realistically there's a few other teams that would probably be willing to pay more who are ready to win a little sooner than the Bears are so I don't foresee the Bears getting him I can maybe see a possibility where Poles um, decides um, since the Bears do have a little bit of cap remaining that this they can't afford this big ticket deal but as an see it kind of unlikely um but yeah, the next signing that um, the Bears did was signing defensive end al Qadin Muhammad for two years, $10 million. So al Qadin is coming from the Colts and the Iberflus the disciple. Trust conferences today seem to be very, very excited to be playing under Iberflus again. So that's, that's something good to see. It seems to have really bought into the system. Had six sacks last year, I believe. Um, and this makes you kind of wonder if uh, Robert Quinn is also being shopped just like Khalil Mack. It's going to be hard for... A uh, to commit a team to take that contract um for our, um, for a, a young 30s uh edge rusher who well, i mean last season obviously had a breakout year but this season before very low production because of injury you know getting paid a lot so you know we'll see but either way um seems like a good option uh, in the defensive end rotation muhammad does and i'm excited to see if uh, he can bring his uh success uh from under Eberflus uh to chicago and so the next signing was um byron pringle signed for one year four million dollars guaranteed with an additional up to two million dollars in incentives so I kind of wanted to address uh, another player signing while we talk about Pringle, and that that player is uh, DJ Chark. I know that um, Bears fans are very disappointed to not get Chark, especially at the price tag that he reportedly went for, which was one one year for ten million dollars guaranteed. Now here's kind of the fallacy that I've seen with Chark, um, knowing that he's a young receiver, he's been productive. Bears fans wanted him, and I don't I don't blame him. He seemed like a good option, but once you delve a little bit deeper into Chark's history and kind of like the price tag that he's getting you kind of understand why polls decided to go the route of byron pringle so obviously um dj truck is coming off a major surgery acl injury i believe he has been successful in jacksonville but and i know that a different wide receiver that the bears signed a few years ago coming off the acl tear from jacksonville was wildly successful for uh, the first uh was it three years of his contract but dj truck if the market saw the same kind of potential of success for him that Robinson had, then he would have gotten way more than one year, $10 million. I mean, look at the original contract that Allen Robinson got. That's nowhere close to where Chark got. So that tells me that the valuation that not only the Bears put on Chark, but the whole 
lead put on chart was significantly lower than what fans thought. And so I think what Poles wants to do is instead of going for this kind of unproven commodity, I know that Chark has a decent resume of success, but coming off this injury, we don't know how he's going to come off of it, right? Poles with the one with the higher floor, obviously lower ceiling because Pringle's a few years older than Chark, but you know, fans, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't complain that, oh, Poles is not giving Justin Fields enough to work with around him and then complain when Poles goes for the, the higher floor option. You know, if you want Fields to develop, that's how you gotta go. You gotta make sure you have tools around him. You can't it can't be Mitch Trubisky in twenty seventeen all over again when you trade for a wide receiver who for what a fifth or sixth round pick and then immediately becomes your wide receiver one and then falls off the face of the earth when the season ends, you know? You can't have the situation going in this season. So that's why Paul's went for the safer option. And let me just add in for half the price, you know, $10 million for uh, Chark and then $4 million for Pringle. Now, the next signing is another wide receiver signing, uh, Equinemius St. Brown. I don't think the terms have come out yet, but I don't foresee it having a lot of guaranteed money in it. Um, was like a wide receiver, four or five in Green Bay, knows Getsy. Um, yeah, you know, honestly, a higher upside signing than most people would anticipate, uh, even though he was a six-round pick, just because of his measurables. His tall receiver, runs a legit 4-4. Four, four. I think maybe he ran a 4-3. I'm not sure. I think in that 4-3, four, 4-4 four, four, four range. So he's fast um, and kind of embodies the explosiveness that Poles said he was looking for in both sides of the ball. Um, you know, I don't anticipate St. Brown being more than a wide receiver 4 starting off the season. And for that level, um, I think this is a good signing. You know, knows the system, has um, good upside, you know. And even if he doesn't see the field that much when he does, um, you know that he's not going to be lost, right? Because he knows Getty's system. The next signing is the offensive line uh, signing in Lucas Patrick. Um, two years, $8 million, and half of that is guaranteed. So it seems like it's more like a one-year uh, contract with the second year being uh, a team option, right? So a good deal, good value it seems like. Saw a lot of snaps on the Green Bay offensive line the last two seasons. Aaron Rodgers uh, seems to like him. You know, this is a good and another good high floor signing for the Bears. Um, and, you know, I, I think people kind of misconstrue um, high floor signings because they're like, oh, why don't we get this veteran who's like 31, 32, you know, has a long track record of success. He's a high floor signing, right? But for actual, in actuality, there's a lot of risk attached to signing a free agent who's over 30. I mean, you saw that with Robert Quinn in his first season. You don't know what kind of production he's going to get because the durability will significantly, for a player, will lower towards the tail end of his career. And it, I mean, for logical reasons, right, your body's aging and can't take as many hits as it can as um, when it was younger, right? So Poles is targeting these, you know, mid-20s, late-20s players who are, you know, have a little more durability um, and, you know, can play grind through a 17-game season because you don't want Justin Fields to play behind better offensive line, you know, with no wide receivers, right? Even if we're signing an average-level player, if if they can stay on the field, then that's a good signing. And that's kind of how I see this Lucas Patrick signing, you know, $4 million guaranteed. Looks like he's going to start at center. That's what he said at his introductory press conference. And, you know, I like this signing. You know, the path to a solid offensive line, you see it kind of formulating. Sign one more player of Patrick's kind of skill level, maybe a little bit underneath for, for depth, right? And then get one more low-end starter. There's still a good amount of those players on the market. 
you know, Toronto Armstead, obviously on the market. He's not a low-end starter. He's a high-end starter, but, you know, low-end or higher, right? So you see Toronto Armstead, Trent Brown, you know, just to name a few. And there's 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 still starters on the market. I know Lyle Collins literally uh, 15 minutes ago just got signed by the Bengals. But the the offensive line market is still very flush with talent. So you sign one of one of those low-end starters, and then you um, find a high-upside guy in the draft, and you're looking at a decent offensive line. And, like, the path is very clear, guys. There's no reason to freak out. Next signing is uh, Nicholas Morrow, uh, linebacker. One year, $3 million. Uh, we had to open uh, starting linebacker spots. Looks like Morrow's going to step in and fill in one of them. Uh, from descriptions, it seems like he's very fast. I think we're in the same 40 as uh, Roquan Smith, who's obviously very fast for a linebacker, linebacker. And I think kind of the Eberflus mold for linebackers has been a smaller, quicker guys, and looks like Morrow fits the bill. Very, very cheap signing, but looks like that Morrow can uh, fulfill, you know, like a starter's workload. So, so that's the thing about this free agency class that I've been really enjoying because you saw Pace taking a lot of gambles on low-end like starters, high-end backups who are a little younger, right? And seeing if they can explode, right? And I generally, I think that's a good philosophy in free agency. That's that's where you find the value. Guys who are kind of buried in the depth chart who can, you know, maybe get a starting gig for the first time and see how they perform. If, if they've shown flashes, hopefully they can tra- hopefully they can translate it to a starting position. But the thing is, pull, uh, Pace always went for the big deal on these guys, right? I mean, the most obvious example being Mike Lennon. I mean, not that the contract was as as egregious as people say, you know, describe it as three years, forty five million. In actuality, only one year of that was guaranteed, obviously. And um, he was like, oh, after twenty seventeen. But you know, that, that that's kind of the trend, like giving a lot of money to unproven players. And you know, sometimes Pace did hit. You know, we got Keem Hicks, but for the most part, we were left with these big contracts tracks for, for players who didn't really deserve them and so this is what i'm liking about polls he's targeting kind of like the same kind of mold of player which i like a lot but like making sure he gets good value out of them right two years a million for patrick one year three million dollars for morrow these two guys are probably going to be starters on your team and if you can get starters for that kind of price that's that's a very good job in free agency now uh i kind of want to touch really quickly on uh, larry o and Joby uh, signed on the first day of free agency for I believe three years, forty million dollars, twenty six million of that guaranteed. A few days ago, just got news that he did fail his physical and will not be signing with the Chicago Bears. Um, kind of what you saw from this signing is that the Bears are going to be aggressive with addressing their three technique position under polls. Um, this is just kind of a philosophy that has been interesting to see. You know, people I think Aberflus mentioned in one of his past press conferences initially that he. Does does place high value on it but you know to be honest i don't think anyone really expected the bears to come out on day one free agency and invest that 13 million dollars into into this position but they did and so i think that's something to keep in mind when we're tracking the bears from now on that they do place this value on that position now i kind of just want to address the some departures that the bears had you know outgoing free agents who signed elsewhere 
first big one was uh, Alan Robinson signed with uh, the Rams for $46 million over three years. Uh, it was a great pleasure to see Robinson play for the Bears first few seasons. He was undoubtedly dominant wide receiver one. I really helped Mitch Trubisky out through uh, 2018 and even in the, the years after 2019-2020. Um, put up numbers, you know, he put up great numbers. Definitely play like a good, a good wide receiver one. I think uh, after he got tagged, he kind of bet on himself to get a much larger contract than the one he originally signed with the Bears, which, I mean, wasn't his three years, $42 million. It's not a small contract at all. Uh, I think Pace is uh, rumored to have offered him $17, $18 million a year in that range. Um, but he comes out with around 15 and a half in this deal. I think uh, he, it's a good fit in um, L.A. You know, Cooper Cup has been eating up a lot of targets, but having a receiver like Robinson on the other side, you know, kind of you know, as a safety valve for Stafford will probably be a good fit. And I enjoyed his years in Chicago, and we'll see how, it do, he, how he does in L.A. Next signing was James Daniels. Uh, went to Steelers for three years, $26 million. Honestly, I was very surprised to see that Poles did not um, sign Daniels for this price it it seems clear to me that he had only a few linemen in this free agency class who he was like okay this guy is worth more than seven eight million dollars a year and i think daniels didn't make the cut surprisingly enough um but you know on the other hand it does kind of make sense uh, daniels was pace this guy didn't really play with the intensity that polls said he was looking for but i thought that since Daniels is young. He's got a good amount of upside, that, and that's why Poles would still want to go with him. But it seems like uh, there wasn't even a, much of an attempt by the, the Bears to re-sign James Daniels, so he does reunite with uh, Mitchell Trubisky in Pittsburgh to play as this guard. And so, yeah, I also really um, was was pretty uh, hyped up when the Bears originally drafted him in the second round. I believe it was 2017 or 2018. And uh, we'll be um, sad to see him go as well, but hopefully he can has some success in Pittsburgh. Last uh, bear I want to touch on kind of was um, Paul Nichols, defensive end, signed for two years, $11 million. Kind of saw the writing on the wall for this one. That's uh, a good amount of money, I would say, for his uh, production, to be honest. Uh, on the same amount of money that uh, we're giving uh, Al-Qadim Muhammad. I think Muhammad is actually the better player, um, and honestly, significantly better player in Iberfus's system. Nichols didn't really have a clear fit like he could have filled the three tech role kind of just based off of um his body and his um his kind of role he played in the 3-4 defense but he didn't really ha- show the pass rushing ability that you'd want in a three tech so i think Kanibra Flus and Polis agreed and you know let him go and uh, he's, he's definitely getting paid i think nine million dollars that is guaranteed he's getting probably a starting position in the raiders defense for that kind of money and yeah i kind of understand why the bears wouldn't want to match that so um it was very exciting to see him uh, burst onto this scene as a rookie. I think he was sixth round pick, fifth round pick, and you know make an immediate impact and started for the Bears um, for many seasons, basically throughout his whole rookie contract. But um, yeah, I think it was time for him to go because uh, I think towards the end he kind of regressed to uh, below average to average player, and I don't, I don't think that price tag is worth it for that kind of caliber of player. Um, yeah, some things to note from around the league to 
finish off this conversation about free agency. Christian Kirk signed for four years, $72 million. Only around half of that is guaranteed, but wow, geez, like still like you don't sign a player with the intention of cutting him after three years, you know, or two years into this contract. You you know, you, you sign, you just give him this deal because you think that he's worth $72 million. And I don't know if the other 31 organizations in the league would agree with <laughs> uh, Jacksonville's evaluation of Christian Kirk. I mean, that's just an absurd amount of money for him. And I mean, I'm thankful that the Bears didn't match. I mean, I don't think there's any chance that Poles would have given him. I don't even know what that says. Sixteen million dollars a year. Yeah, I don't think there's any way. But either way, I'm I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that he didn't. Next uh, kind of um, moves I want to address was Amari uh, Cooper to the Browns and Robert Woods to the Titans. Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of Bears fans disappointed that, that Polis didn't make a uh, make a run at these players. But like I addressed at the beginning of this uh, this episode. You're not going to see him investing significant draft capital in players that are near or above 30. That's just not the philosophy for the season. This the season is to to get players that you know are going to be durable, who know you know are going to be able to um support and help Justin Fields grow. Neither of those players fit that mold, so Bears are not going to invest draft capital on them. Um, last thing I kind of wanted to touch on was uh, Juju Smith-Schuster going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Originally reported for one year, $10 million, but it turns out that that was just some agent speak. The real deal lies around uh, one year, $3.25 million guaranteed, and then the rest are incentives up to $10 million uh, for the total deal. Like, wow, like they got us for a few days there because... I mean, honestly, for a receiver of um, Schuster's, like, history, one year $10 million would have been perfectly reasonable, also given that he's very young. But it turns out that Kansas City got a great deal on it. I don't know, its cap hit's probably going to be around... um just uh, probably like five million dollars. I'm assuming because um, you know the, the, just the way that incentives work with the cap. But still, they got a great deal with Schuster. Uh, this one I kind of can't empathize with Bear fans a little bit more and the disappointment that uh, Poles was not able to land Schuster. I think there were reports that the Bears were in on him, but I wouldn't really blame Schuster for choosing the Chiefs over the Bears. You know, you got Patrick Mahomes on a one-year prove-it deal. Uh, that's where I would want to go. Build up my value. Show that I can be a wide receiver one, wide receiver two again, and then hit the market next year and get a multi-year deal, right? There's significant risk in coming to Chicago. As much as I would like Justin Fields to succeed, there's a much higher chance that he does not have a good season than Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think that needs to be said, right? So that's that's the calculation that Schuster made, and he went to the Chiefs afterwards, right? And, I mean, I, I do think that if the Bears offered Schuster a multi-year deal, like a two- or three-year deal, he probably would have picked the Bears over the Chiefs. But, like, I've been hammering throughout this podcast, like, this episode, that's not the philosophy that Pulse is going for this offseason and i think that kind of wraps up the discussions that i wanted to have on the i wanted to have on the free agency class as always please uh support this podcast just listening supports it if you have any tips or feedback please make sure i think there's an email link in all the platforms that we're on please feel free to reach out to me and thanks for listening